0: Thank you, Jonathan, for joining us this morning, and uh, glad that each of you are here. Yeah, let's give the whole team a, a clap offering. You know, as I was uh, worshiping over here, I just, I just couldn't help but feel that, you know, there are undoubtedly some of you here this morning who are wondering whether you really matter to God because we're people. It's not because you're strange. It's because I feel that sometimes. And, you know, I just felt the Lord impressed upon me to say to you, if you have ears to hear it, and that's the key, that you are valued individually and honored personally more than probably you will ever know. Valued by God, honored by Him, loved by Him so much that He was willing to give up His most cherished possession for your life and for your eternity with Him. Is that amazing or what? I mean, not my words, but the, the, the idea that God would love you. Um, maybe you're in the balcony this morning. You know what I mean? And you're just sort of, you know... Can God see me where I am? Does He really know what I'm facing? Does He even care about the impact and the circumstances and the real issues of my life? Because sometimes, as you know, life can get very difficult. Anybody know that besides me? Come on. real. Okay, some of you do. No, we all know. And and I just want to say that... uh, I felt constrained by the Spirit of God to say, Beloved, you are loved more than you may yet know. And it's in sort of the the spirit of that message that you are loved more than you may know that God sent His Son... And you know the story of how he came and how he was born and how he grew up and what he did. But he finally made his way uh, going to Jerusalem to a cross to allow himself to be brutally executed in order that you and I could be set free from our sin, from our shame, from our guilt, from our not feeling like we measure up. The love of God is enormous. So I pray today, Father, that as we share around Your Word, that more than anything else, we would come to understand how much we are valued by You because You have invited us to come into Your kingdom and to learn of You and to allow Uh, we are allowing You then to uh, build us and to change us and transform us uh, because of all that You have done for us. Lord, let Your blessings, the blessings of Your Word and Your Spirit rest upon us today so that more than anything else, we as a people would value You, Holy Spirit, in our lives. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, well, if you have your Bible, turn with me uh, to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to uh, look at uh, the Word uh, today from a portion of Matthew chapter 5. And uh, if you're just joining us, maybe for the first time, any visitors here for the first time, real fast, just raise your hand and then you can put it down again real fit, Ready, up, Ooh, one, two, and come on down, okay, one more time, up, Ooh, okay, we see, look around, we got a few. Uh, We've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. That is um, probably one of the greatest sermons that Jesus ever preached. And we have been looking at His Word because it informs us about something. And actually, as I've been studying and meditating through this Word, what I'm discovering is that God has actually done something and invited you and me into that experience of His kingdom where the king's domain, kingdom, the domain of the king wants to rule in our hearts and our lives. And uh, if you remember where we started, uh, Jesus said the kingdom of God is now at hand, meaning it's right here. You don't have to wait for it someday. The kingdom of God is now here. And Jesus invited then each one of us to repent, meaning to turn from our sort of, understanding and logically uh, trying to figure out what life is all about and turn to and receive him as the king of our lives and then to live the rest of our lives uh, by virtue of his word and living uh, under his domain, his kingship. Uh, So uh, this morning, uh, Jesus had been teaching um, this little summary on uh, what the kingdom heart really looks like in practical, everyday dimensions. And you remember the, the Beatitudes, Jesus came, and he, he said, blessed are the poor and the broken, etc. And He was saying to the crowd that the kingdom of God is for you. The abused, the spit upon, the marginalized, uh, the, the disrespected, the kingdom of God is for you. Could you say that word you with me? You. Now, turn that around and say the kingdom of God is for me. Boy, is that ever weak? One person. The kingdom of God is for Me. You see, that's the message that Jesus was communicating to that crowd gathered on that hill and the discourse that he gave them. And uh, we've been looking at some contrast and we get to the fifth contrast. If you have not yet opened your Bible as I open mine, turn to Matthew chapter five. And Jesus then begins the fifth contrast. Uh, and it has to do with personal injury at the hands of others. Now, we'll do another real quick recap in just a moment, but there's not a person here who has not been influenced by personal assault or injury or snubbing or something that hurts your feelings or worse. There's not a person here because human experience is quite a lot like that, that you will be hurt. So Jesus understood that kingdom people will experience difficulties at the hand of non-kingdom people. Uh, so let's, let me read, beginning at verse 38, um, and again, this is uh, contrast number five. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said. Now, he's, he's specifically um, contrasting what he's about to say to what is written in the moral law, the law of Moses. Uh, the Ten Commandments and in other places in Deuteronomy and also the book of Leviticus. You've heard it said uh, in times of old, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's what the law said. If somebody hurt you in a, a, a skirmish, in a confrontation and or an altercation and your eye became blinded, the law said you were righteous if you required their eye to be blinded too. So you've heard it said, an eye for an eye. Think about this. You've broken out my front tooth. We are now going to break out your tooth. Think with me. That's what he's talking about. And how people understood the law was a tit-for-tat an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Verse 39, but I tell you, I, the covenant man, Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the one who has come and who will shortly give his life for a ransom in order to bring about the kingship of God in our midst, I say to you, um, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, I'll do my left because my little microphone's here. In an assault, turn to them your other cheek as well. Verse 40, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, your cloak, uh, let him have your coat also. And whoever compels you to walk with him a mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, uh, do not turn away. Now when we read those words, if you're like me, we'll go, wow, how do you do this? But here's what I think uh, Jesus is communicating There will come a time, disciples on the hill, those who are now marginalized and disenfranchised, hurt, wounded. The kingdom of God is now among you and shortly I'm going to give you a presence that you have not yet experienced and it will be heart transforming. He's talking about the gift of his spirit, the paraclete. The one who, is, who comes to our side, but not just the one who comes to our side, the one who comes to our inside and begins to then fuel us and, uh, and resource us and enable us to live differently in the world. I think that's what he's really saying. That kingdom people would have a power and a presence that other people do not have uh, if we have ears to hear, and if we are enabled to walk uh, in allowing Him to conform us to become like Jesus. Uh, So, what we uh, know then... Uh, this is specifically, the word I just read, is specifically about personal injury and not a, about institutional or social evil. You know, those big things out there. This is about what happens to you when someone comes to you and hurts your feeling or slaps your cheek or takes something from you or requires something from you that they don't really have a claim to. What do you do in that uh, regard? Well, there's a number of texts, and I'd, I've listed um, a text from Deuteronomy, which is also found in the book of Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, um, and then in the book of Deuteronomy, it's also found, actually, I didn't put it up here, but in um, Exodus also. Um, the, the, both have some variation, but both of these scriptures say, your eye shall not pity, uh, life shall be for a life, Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for a hand, and if in a farming accident, for example, your foot gets cut off by some sort of sigh or sickle or some way, you can take that other person's foot also. Now that's what the law said. And uh, that's what Jesus is actually talking about here. And it is what has been called this, Uh, lex talionis, in other words, um, a law of retaliation. It's okay to retaliate, is what the law said. But you can only do it in kind. You can only do it in as much as you have been hurt. uh, And this is, well, reciprocity, an equalization, or or a a water seeks its own level. Now, in the moral law, this was in fact a great advancement uh, in society. Um, it, it, the old righteousness, which is what Jesus has been talking about. You've heard it said, don't murder. I say to you, don't be angry. Deal with your discontent and your contempt in your heart toward other people and your angry words. You've heard it said, uh, uh, you know, uh, don't commit adultery. I say to you, deal with your fantasized desire and lust." And you won't do those things. Well, here, he's talking about the uh, injurers, injurers should be injured exactly in the same way. Uh, Now, the law was doing that because this was a great advancement in society. Heretofore, in early social experiences, if you cut somebody's arm off, they're just apt to cut both of yours off. So it wasn't retaliation in kind or reciprocity or equalization. If you, if you uh, took somebody's eye out, uh, they might take your eye and both ears off. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this was really a step forward in terms of the moral law. It was a great advancement. But the kingdom then among us, Jesus was saying, offers a better way than the old righteousness. You've heard it said in times of old, uh, you shall not uh, do this. You shall not, if somebody takes your eye out, take his eye out. But now Jesus, the one who has come to walk among us, to demonstrate what Holy Spirit is going to do in kingdom people, says to each one of us, there's a better way. He's offering a better way. And the example is, um, you're not righteous just because you don't murder. That's why Jesus said, No, what the kingdom is about is helping us invite the Spirit of God into those places of our lives where we are angry and where we have contempt toward human beings and other people and we speak angry words to denigrate and destroy their character. See, Jesus is after the hearts of a people because it's in the heart where the kingdom of God uh, makes its, first impact or beachhead and then works out through us into the lives of other people Uh, he said fantasize desire Uh, don't think that you're righteous just because you've not had a physical affair and that's what the pharisees were essentially doing jesus said no watch the fantasized desire in your heart watch what you allow your heart to go to watch Uh, watch out for where your eyes go. Begin to take um, a a cognizant uh, understanding of and systematic examination of what's really going on in your heart. Because if you do that, you're not apt to do either murder or have an affair. He said, then thirdly, uh, you know, you've heard it said, don't give your wife a pink slip. You can do, the law said, you can, Give your wife, you can send her away, just give her a pink slip, a, a writ, a certificate saying you're now free. But see, if you deal with fantasized desire, and we've dealt with this earlier, and if you deal with real anger and murder in your heart, that's not going to be an issue. You see, God is after kingdom relationships. And then finally, uh, we talked about swearing last Weak, don't swear to higher powers by the kingdom or by the heavens or by the gold of the temple. Jesus said, don't swear at all. Because when you swear, you're just trying to manipulate and control people to get your way. Now, the context then of letting the king and his kingdom work in our hearts to bring about the internal change is what God is about doing in our lives as kingdom people. Now, that then brings... Uh, Being the case, when we're injured, our world doesn't fall apart. In other words, when we have dealt with our anger and our contempt and our uh, habit of destroying other people with our mouth, when we deal with our fantasized desire and lust and those kinds of things, uh, the internal man or woman can go toward you're not apt to really focus upon beat your injury when it happens you don't magnify it your world doesn't fall apart when somebody hurts your little feelings why because we're men and women who have embraced the kingdom in fact the king has embraced us and has moved into our life and is offering us another way. If somebody slaps you on the cheek, you don't have to turn to them the, the other cheek. But you do get to love them. You see, when somebody knocks out a tooth, you don't have to take their tooth out either. But rather begin to love them. You understand that this is the kingdom that Jesus is talking about. Turn, and, because the kingdom is now among you. So, having, having realized then that, that when we're hurt... We don't magnify it and focus on it. We have a larger view of God and our place in Him and His place in us because we're under His control. We live under His rule. So that when somebody slaps you, you don't go after them and try to rip their head off. Like sometimes I, and probably some of you, are tempted to do. There is, a, there is something that has harnessed our heart and our passions and our inner desires that will lead us into a way of real internal righteousness not just performing the external laws or the behaviors you see this kingdom reality in us allows us to view people um, with uh, in their humanity and need because we're in touch with our own humanity and need when the kingdom of god breaks into a person's life we begin to first of all get in touch with who we are as people. That's why repentance is required. And in fact, you can't get into the kingdom unless you're born of the Spirit where the Spirit enables you to understand it. Oh, I have a really great need and I really do need Jesus in my life. I can't do this on my own and in my own steam or in my own power. See, it's the kingdom of God breaking in uh, to our experience that Jesus is talking about, being in touch with our real needs. Now, this enables us, and we'll see this in the next chapter, to walk in a prayerful, loving way of forgiving people when they slap us on the cheek under certain circumstances, simply turning the other one to them. Why? Because we walk in a power of the kingdom that's not our own, and we're enabled to forgive people. Jesus said, Father, even from the cross, uh, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, Jesus is our model. The man Christ Jesus was on a cross. Nails pounded into his hands and into his feet, and he did so for our sin. You see, that's the point at which God is saying to us that by His Spirit, He's enabling us to live differently and to forgive other people. Let's move forward. Jesus gave us four examples then in this text in Matthew chapter 5 that we want to look at real briefly um, how one fully alive by the Spirit to the kingdom might resolve personal injury and impositions. And I'm just going to hit them... Uh, Real close here. The first one, uh, this is uh, reciprocity. That means an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, uh, or non-resistance. Reciprocity or non-resistance. Jesus. Now, who? Anybody know any historic figures that lived their life uh, in non-resistance? Okay, set real loud. Mandela, Gandhi. Martin Luther King, some other historical figures, and we were, in fact, uh, gripped by the quality of their life. Now, we're talking, remember, specifically about personal injury here. And let me give you a couple of examples that Jesus actually gave to those people sitting on the hill. The first one is, uh, turn the other cheek. And that's kind of hard to be sure if somebody uh, hits you and they do it in spite and in anger and with with malice in their heart, because our personal um, desire is to retaliate at least in kind. You've seen it. You, maybe you've been involved in it. Somebody pushes you. You want to go and push him back. Now Jesus was saying, see, He understands that each of us are subject to those same passions, but. I think what he is saying is that when someone pushes you, or in this example, when someone slaps you on the cheek, you know, in your back or at your back, you can feel your fists beginning to clench. But Jesus was saying, just take a moment and recognize who is in control here. They're trying to be in control and to control your behavior. Watch my hand. So the choice is you can then begin to loosen your grip because of the king living his life in you and begin to love in a way that will cost you something, pain and pride and whatnot, and in an honest and genuine way, turn that other cheek to them. And if they then so choose, they can slap it. The second example that he gives is that uh, when someone wants to... Uh, sue you they're making a claim on something that is yours jesus said give them your coat also now this isn't a flagrant kind of in your face you know you took my coat i'm going to throw it in their face and give you your give them your shirt also but he's talking about an attitude of heart by which other people out there even those who are who are still living an evil uh, fleshly humanity-oriented uh, life. Because God is after touching their hearts also. So when they want to take your shirt or your coat, or your shirt, give them your coat also, whatever garment piece you want to consider. Go beyond what they want and love them uh, because of the king in you. When someone says, go with me a mile, and the context of this is that Roman soldiers who were presently in Jesus' day occupying... Uh, Israel, uh, Rome, remember the Romans were the ones that killed Jesus by crucifixion. A Roman soldier, if he had a, a trunk or a weight or something he was required to move, he could come up to an Israelite and say, uh, you, there, right there, come up here and help me. And by law, you were required to go with him a mile. I'm carrying this sorry rascal load. He said, for a mile. Now, Jesus said, okay, that's good. You're required to go a mile. But I say to you, because of the kingdom wants to embrace this Roman soldier's heart, ask if you might carry his burden cheerfully for yet another mile. Now, all of us can think of examples where that would not be wise. If you're a heart surgeon, now if we bring it fast forward, if you're a surgeon... And, uh, you remember, oh my, I, I have to be, uh, someone is, de- their life is depending upon me to be in surgery at X point in time this afternoon. And you could go that one mile. It probably wouldn't be wise for you to go the second mile because there are larger issues at stake. So it is the responsibility of the kingdom woman or the kingdom man to figure out how to apply this by the Spirit of God who lives in us. But Jesus' example is here is when you're able, you're required to go one mile, go two. Because you're demonstrating something to this person. And then fourthly, give to him who asks you if somebody wants to borrow, don't turn away from him. In other words, God is after working in us a generosity that many of us uh, don't walk in. Now, remember, what God is doing here, what Jesus is speaking here, is that the Spirit of God who will come to live in a kingdom people will uh, resource us to do the very thing. Not a new law, but is giving examples here and illustrations of what a kingdom heart really looks like. Jesus really expects us to do these kinds of things. Hello? He really does. Why? Because we are men and women of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is within us. So Jesus is not giving new laws here. He's illustrating what the kingdom heart uh, looks like. That is the kingdom that is among us. And I would even say the kingdom that is within us. Now maybe you're here and have never really thought about uh, this thing of being a disciple of Jesus or an apprentice of Jesus or really walking as Jesus walked. But I'm convinced that what Jesus is after with my life is to conform me to His very image. He wants me to become more and more like Him. And I kick against those goads, don't you? I resist it at times. But in fact, that's what He's calling each of us to do to be more and more like Him. Our tormentors count on our, uh, our uh, resistance and even anger to further support their um, anger and their issues toward us. But see, what happens is that if we respond as Jesus indicates, the force of their actions slapping you on the face and when you don't retaliate or turn the other cheek to them, it then pulls them off balance and causes them to question what kind of people they really are that's how much god wants to communicate to a world how much they are loved by him god has done this for us and he's simply asking us to be participants in what he's doing in the world right now they're little Jesuses, loosed all over the world right now who are they raise your hand meaning jesus who is now living his life in us is inviting us to begin to take seriously His Word and start living the way He actually lived. Isn't that a novel idea? Anger actually feeds upon anger, but patient goodness normally deflates anger. You see it through the Proverbs. You see it throughout the the Psalms. An angry word turns away wrath, etc. And God is really asking us to uh, begin to think about in your day today, when you go to Walmart and somebody cuts you off in line. I was at the New Dick's Sporting Goods. Just opened up in Mayfair. Love that store. And I was standing there at the, um, at the not the checkout, but um, the, where, where the guns and, the, and all the good stuff are, you know. And I was, uh, I was waiting to make my purchase. And I noticed this guy was just kind of, kind of doing this and kind of, getting in, kind of getting in front of me. Well, you know what happened. I grabbed him by the, no. <laughs> but you know, that's how I felt. And that's probably how you would feel, too. You know, but then, you know... Here, God said, just love him. I went, oh, I'm off today. I guess I don't have to. And I, I said, hey, what? you've been here probably longer than I. I want you go first. And he looked at me like, why? Because it's in our day somewhat an unusual response. Now, he didn't hit me. He didn't push me. He just got in my, my space. Are we communicating? You see, And the, the choice is, today, when that happens to you, wherever it might happen when you're driving, you, we don't have to react in road rage or having our way. Why? Because we're men and women of the King. The King lives in our hearts and we can then go, okay, God, you know I want to, but I, okay, I just, I'm going to love this person and just smile. And, and it's, it was real. As soon as I made the choice... To release my grip and surrender that moment to King Jesus who is on the throne of my heart. Or wasn't on the throne of my heart as the case may have been. Now, our response allows the kingdom of God with all of its resources to begin to work. I did witness to the guy. I didn't tell him, well, go ahead. Jesus loves you, brother. That's kind of like, well, I'll go a second mile, but you know what? You, you are, it's, it's, it's heart and it's attitude. Uh, so, this, you might say, is weakness, but in fact it's not weakness. Well, you might be here and you might say, well, that's being passive. God wants us to be aggressive. You know, the kingdom of God is, it comes with violence. Yeah. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it's not passivity, it's not being weak, and it's not being a doormat. In fact, uh, our tormentors are never in control. They're in control only if we allow them to be in control. And when I respond in like kind, they have just controlled who I am. Y'all understand what I'm trying to communicate? And Jesus said, Hey, just let me control who you are because you really are mine. And see, when we begin to walk in this in practical ways, there'll be times when you feel like, Oh, poor me, you know, this, this, you know, I had to give. No, you, what you do is get to love the way Jesus loved. We can always act with clear eyed, resolute love because the King of love lives within us. You see, this is what actually brings the person, each one of us, into a greater recognition that the kingdom of God is real. Not just something we have information about. It's transformation that begins to happen. And once God has broken the power of anger uh, and contempt and evil words and fantasized desire, etc., in us, then we know that the way of Christ in response to personal injury and imposition, is really the easier way. That's what made Martin Luther very different. He wasn't just a great man because he was a civil rights leader. He was a man who understood something about the kingdom, and he was black, and some white people were offended because he was black and wanted simply civil rights. I wonder what Jesus would have done I think what we saw in him is what Jesus would have done. The same with Gandhi, who was not even a Christian, but meditated through the Sermon on the Mound just about every day of his life, I'm told. You see, it's the only way to move serenely in the midst of harm, And beyond it, to recognize that we are people of the King and his kingdom is within. And the Spirit of God is the resourcer within us to live differently and transform lives. The Holy Spirit must give us revelation on this. Now let me just say, we're just about finished. I'm going to land this airplane here. Information about this will not transform you. I understand this. It's not about understanding it. Yup, yup, yup. It's about saying, God, I invite you into my life such that I want to begin to do this. Oh, i got to do something? See, do, meaning the kingdom of God gets to be uh, advanced in me uh, so that within the human order then, as I've just been saying, the presumption is one will return harm for harm and resist evil. That's the human order world that we live in that we're not to be conformed to by the way romans 12 1 and 2 uh, that uh, you give only to those who have prior claim on your goods like maybe family etc and that you only do what uh, is legally required of you to do that's the human system that we live in but brothers and sisters you are not in the human system only we are men and women of the kingdom Within the kingdom, the presumption then is that I will return good for evil and I will resist only for compelling reasons and that I will do more than is strictly required. Why? Because I am different and you are different if Jesus is living His life in you. And showing his life through you. Because that is what God does for each one of us. That is what God has done for each one of us. The kingdom really is about the king ruling in each one of our lives. How's he doing? In my life. That's a rhetorical question. How's he doing in my life? See, I can judge my wife and I can judge my uncle and I can look at the person across from me and go, you know, um, boy, I'm doing better than they are. That's not uh, the real question. How is he doing in my heart? Well, I'm 65%. I'm 60%. I'm 80%. I, I mean, I want God's will and purpose uh, 80% of the time. What about the other 20 Sort of crude, I know, but it's like saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of pregnant. <laughs> You're not sort of anything. You are, you aren't. You see, and that's what Jesus is communicating here. How are we doing? Um, it's about the business of conforming each one of us into the image of Jesus. God is making us to look like Him. You say, I'm 95%. I guess the Pharisees were probably about that also. Jesus is interested in what He's putting, figuratively, His finger on in your life. What He's interested in me is what He's putting His finger on. What the Spirit of God is giving me revelation about that He wants me to change about me. I'm only responsible for me. But you know how much greater and more amazing this life would be if we would turn our attention upon us as it relates to just looking at Jesus. Well, when someone comes to you and slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other cheek. After a pause... In fact, it might be good to take a pause. Everybody take a deep breath. Exhale. And let Jesus be seen. And let Jesus be glorified in the midst of your life. That is what Jesus is really wanting for me and for you. A hundred percent. Will you fail? Everybody shake your head yes. Yeah, we'll fail. We'll trip. We'll fall. But we get right back up on that horse. A righteous man might fall seven times, but seven times he gets back up. That's how we grow. And that's how we change. Worship team, why don't you come back up and uh, let's just pray for a minute. You know, I, just, I don't want to just rush through here. You might have a pot roast you've got to get home to. But I just want to take a moment of your time additionally. And I just want to give you time to ask the Holy Spirit what He wants to do in your life. What percentage of, of really being sold out to the King are you today? I See, I can't answer that for you. But I am attempting to answer that for me. And that's all Jesus wants. So that we would then give Him whatever slice of our life that is yet surrendered and under the control of your kingdom. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be being done on earth as it's being done in heaven. That's inviting Him. Let's close your eyes a minute. We'll just linger and just you ask God. God, what you You see? It's always if you have ears to hear. And in Scripture, there's this little phrase. Some of us were talking about it at dinner last night, but it says, "But you would not." You know, Jesus said, "How often I would you know gather you, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem? How often I would gather you as a chicken gathers, or, or a hen gathers her little chicks under her wings, but you would not." Again, in Isaiah 30, in repentance and rest, in confidence and in trust, but you would not. And that's the question for kingdom reality. Holy Spirit, I invite you now, in the quietness of, of these moments. Lord, this is a sacred moment. kind of moment that you want to have with each of your disciples not just once a week but once a day probably not just once a day but multiple times in every day until we are fully and completely surrendered to you as king and lord ask Holy Spirit yourself what he wants to begin to look at in your life and then simply say, God, I don't know how to do this. I can't change anything, but I can open my heart and invite you into that place. And I do so even now. We say God is good, and indeed He is, all the time. God's purposes are always greater than ours. And He simply wants our hearts that we would love His presence more and not keep Him out and isolate ourselves from Him. He really does have a a great plan for each one of our lives. And it is to love us into wholeness. I'm going to ask that some of our ministry team and maybe elders and some spouses might come and just make your way up to the front here. So that if there are people who are seeking for real help from the king. Maybe one of the ways in which you might want to respond is to simply come forward and say, Would you agree with me in prayer about this particular concern?